Are you interested in cracking the customer code? You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business. I'm Jeannie Walters. And I'm Adam Taporic. Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together, we'll crack the customer code. Welcome to Crack the Customer Code. This is Episode 9, and today we've got a lot of conversations about restaurants. That's right. I'm going to share a bit about Chipotle's great micro-interaction going on right now. And our guest, Rachel Hoppy from the Community Roundtable, will be joining us to talk about the role of community managers. And we've also got a customer hero story today about Olive Garden, the restaurant, and it might just surprise you. Yeah, that's a pretty cool story. I can't wait to talk about that. Also, I want to let everybody know that we do have our free e-newsletter, The Customer Conversation, and you can get that at customerebook.com, customerebook.com. Now, Jeannie, I hear you're all fired up about a recent micro-interaction at Chipotle. <laughs> I am. I think it's great. They're they're investing in a really cool idea, and I'm sure some of the listeners here have actually interacted with this already. They've paid really good writers, people that we know, like Toni Morrison, Judd Apatow, the screenwriter, Sarah Silverman, Malcolm Gladwell, they paid these people to actually write very short stories on their paper cups and their paper bags. And people are sharing them online. And there's all sorts of rumors that in order to get these types of high quality writers, they paid very significant amounts. And the rumor that I've heard is that they paid up to $250,000 for one of these stories from one of these talented people. So there's a lot of discussion about it. And I just think it's going to be pretty interesting to watch. Have you gone to Chipotle lately? I have just checked out the site. It's really neat. I mean, what, what so what's the criticism? What are people like up in arms about? Well, I think I've heard both sides of this. So uh, some people really love it because they love to go in, especially one of the things I saw online is somebody commented, I go to lunch every day by myself. And I loved sitting there and not interacting with my phone. And I thought that was a really interesting way to engage with your community and to help them kind of take a moment and enjoy the product and the service in a totally different way. And the site that you mentioned, cultivatingthought.com, it's all about these stories. It's all about the authors. It's really about just taking a moment. And I, I really love that. They, they say on that site that they're creating a moment of analog pause in a digital world. And what an interesting idea right now. But the criticism is that it's – I'm not sure if I would call it criticism even, but people are questioning, is it worth it to invest in this way for these very highly paid people who are talented and recognized for this type of thing that isn't really about the bottom line? It's a good question, but well, it is because we—I mean, we don't know the number first of all, so it's a rumor. Right. We don't know what they paid per person, what their total outlay was. Right. But if you look at it, first of all, we're talking about it, and this show is huge. So that's free advertising. <laughs> that's right. But seriously, obviously, people are talking about it, and I think it's a brilliant idea because anytime you can take something customer experience, something that's ordinary like a bag or mm-hmm. a cup, and make it extraordinary, and make it you know either speak to people or at least entertain them for 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. I mean, that creates a moment of connection. It's hard to put a value on that. And you know, you and I always deal with how do you value the customer experience, the, mm-hmm. the ROI of what you're doing. And some things are easy and some things aren't. But you know, we know it matters. We know that has an an impact. Well, it's what it's an example of one of these micro interactions that I I talk about all the time because it's taking something that is so easily overlooked in the customer journey and creating something special and unique and something that actually delights the customer in an unexpected way. And once they've invested in this, 
then it's just the printing costs and everything else that they already have that they have to do anyway. So if you're going to make a paper bag, why not make it beautiful and compelling and something that delights somebody in their day? I think it's a really cool idea. So I'm curious how long they're going to do it and also what they will do next. I think it's going to be really a cool thing to watch. Right. And it's only special for a short period of time. Then, you know, like everything, sooner or later, no one cares, right? No matter what you are. <laughs> Same thing with the bags, but it lasts for, you know, it lasts for a while and hopefully not everybody's going to copy it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's only special if they're doing it. I agree. Very cool. Cool interaction. So I believe we have a guest coming up. Yes. I'm excited to welcome our guest today, Rachel Hoppy. Rachel co-founded the Community Roundtable to support business leaders developing their community and social business strategies. Clients include SAP, Aetna, H&R Block, and many, many others. Rachel has the ability to make sense of abstract trends and to see the implications that technical and operational decisions can have on people and processes. So we're thrilled to have you. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, well, as we were just... Uh, observing the community roundtable does a ton of great research. And so based on the last report that I saw, it seems many people aren't super comfortable with what a community manager does or who to reward or recognize them. And because this is an evolving career, I was wondering if you could enlighten us a little bit. Who are community managers and what can they do for an organization? <laughs> sure. Um, it, it is evolving. And I actually think of community management as a discipline mm. versus just a role. Mm-hmm. It is both. Um, but I actually think community management is the future of all management because uh, our our digital communication certainly is moving towards the networked space. And soon it will all be networked, which means... Mm. Um, Everyone has to have an eye towards how do I catalyze the network around me mm-hmm. to get where I'm trying to go. Interesting. Okay, great. And the be- it's kind of like teaching. Everybody does it. Some people recognize more than others that they do it. <laughs> um, if you want to be an executive, you better be able to teach at some level. Mm -hmm. And then there's the whole professional cadre of teachers and some complexity within that too. Mm -hmm. So I kind of see it that way. Um, But we, you're right in that we work mostly with people who are doing it professionally. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's interesting because we've known for years that there's a whole range there. There's everyone from a very uh, young independent or individual contributors moderating forums online in the gaming and media space that that was where community management as a profession kind of grew out of. Um, but as it's made its way through the commercial world and kind of more traditional industries, um, we have everything from those relatively junior roles all the way up to VP of community at big multinational corporations. So that's a pretty wide swath of uh, professionals. Definitely. <laughs> uh, with a lot of different skill sets. And then you add the the other unique lens, which is community management used to be about catalyzing customers and markets. Mm-hmm. Um, but now uh, a lot of organizations are deploying internal communities because these big multinationals have 
sometimes hundreds of thousands of people in their organization spread out globally. That's as big as a lot of online market oriented communities. Um, so they're hiring internal community managers and hmm. that again, takes a whole different lens to the problem. Well, you know, you talked about the discipline of community management and bringing it into, you know, bigger companies, larger organizations. Where do you find the, sort of the resistances? You know, what are the points where you really have to sort of sell, you know, customer experience leaders or even just corporate leaders on making community management a priority? So here's where I think the crux is, which is our management structures in general were created at a time when um, market access was really expensive and there were only a small number of channels. Um, and so our organizations were set up to control and particularly to control for risk and to really push things through these few channels they had access to. Now we're living in a world of information abundance. Market access has commoditized. We don't need to manage for risk anymore. We're not fighting over cookies. There's more cookies to have. And so we need to manage for potential rather than risk. Mm -hmm. And that is a completely different mindset than most senior leaders kind of grew up in. Um, and, and that has changed very rapidly in the last decade or two. So you're looking at senior leadership in organizations that kind of grew up in an era before this networked world happened. And they were very successful at that. And so that's their primary mindset is managing for risk. I love that the way you say that, because I think it's a really interesting view of the changes that we're going through. And the evolution is really similar to what we're seeing in customer experience as well. There are more mm -hmm. leaders, there's more C-suite spots for these people, it's more strategic, but it goes all the way down the line to folks who have to hold up their end of the bargain yep. uh, for what they're doing as well. So I, I'm curious, how do you see community management fitting into the overall customer experience? I often see externally focused community managers as ombuds persons, hmm. right? They, you know, customers who come into communities, even if they were set up by the marketing department or the support department or the product group, they don't really care. <laughs> they have their issue that they need to address. Mm -hmm. They don't really care about your functions, <laughs> That's true. And and so often I see community managers are at the front lines of understanding that the customer experience needs to evolve because there's all this fragmentation of experience across functional groups mm -hmm. that wasn't ever really seen before or people it was experienced but the organization didn't quote unquote see it because it wasn't happening in an aggregated way anywhere. Right. Like one customer would come and say I, I have a crappy product, <laughs> like I'm getting good service, but the product still doesn't work. Or the product is great, but I can't get anybody on the phone. Or, you know, like they saw those issues, but it happened at a very one-off level. Now customers are talking to each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <and> they sure are. <laughs> creating some momentum around like this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you see it at Comcast. Oh, like goodness. Some of those things <laughs> where people have recorded customer care calls. And and as a as somebody in the business world, you can look at that agent and say, oh, my God, I feel a lot of empathy because it's the structure around the agent. Mm-hmm. It's not that agent's fault that they're kind of harassing the customer. <laughs> um, it's structural to how Comcast thinks about what they're doing. Right. Um, but you can you can see the issues arise in online communities because people have access to the market channel that once only existed for cust- or for major organizations. Now, you know, an individual with a laptop can reach the world. And I, you know, I think about my own experience. We launched about five years ago. We were a worldwide brand before we were three people, (laughs) you know, and like 20 years ago, I never would have actually launched a company because I, that access to the channel would have been too expensive for me to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the barriers to entry. I mean, it really, it's the wild, wild west for customers. It's the wild, wild west for companies. It's just amazing what's out there. And I think what you're doing is so valuable because it's really putting a framework and like you said, a discipline to this sort of thing that's happening that nobody's really quite got a grasp on yet. Well, and you've been great. Thank you so much for enlightening us. Tell us where can folks find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at R-H-A-P-P-E, or they can email me at rachel at communityroundtable.com. Those are probably the two easiest ways to get me. Fantastic. Well, this was music to my ears, so <laughs> keep up, keep fighting the good fight for us. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate uh, being able to share with your audience. And I, I think the customer experience one is also some of these things like customer experience and community management are the the new era or the new functions of organizations. They just don't know it yet. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. <laughs> Love it. So thank you so much, Rachel. Take care. Thanks, Rachel. Bye-bye. Guess what time it is, Jeannie? What time, Adam? It is time for Customer Hero, Customer Zero. Now, I believe you have a little story to tell us about the Olive Garden. Yes, the Olive Garden restaurants. They had this amazing response that I think really shows them as a customer hero. And what happened was they offered this never-ending pasta pass promotion, which means you got a card and... If you paid 100 bucks for a limited amount of time, you could have as much pasta as you wanted from the Olive Garden. So there were all sorts of stories about people who went in and just, you know, binged in amazing ways. And that was all over social media and everything. And then this guy, Matt Tribe, had this amazing idea. He lives in Ogden, Utah, and he started realizing that he could get takeout and bring it to homeless people. So he started something that he called the Random Acts of Pasta, which I love. Nice. The, there's actually a website called randomactsofpasta.com where you can see videos of him doing this. And it started to get some attention. So people were talking about how the company might respond. They might say, that's out of the ordinary. You can't do that. We're going to cut you off. All of these things. Instead, they had an amazing response that I just, it made me like them in ways that I didn't expect. (laughs) And one of their reps said, we applaud Matt for his generous use of the pasta pass, and we're proud to play a small part in his powerful story. 
And I just think that's so cool that they looked at this and instead of looking at what's a loophole or what's the risk to us or this guy is breaking the rules, they saw it for what it is, which is a really human experience and it's the right thing to do. And they stood by that. And I thought that was amazing. So I thought they really needed to be called out for that. And Matt too. I mean, what a cool guy to do this. And he really made an impact. And I love what he said about it. He's one of the things he said was nobody was ever unhappy that I brought them free pasta. (laughs) And it's such (laughs) a simple little statement, but it says so much about how companies can really step up and respond to these things and embrace when somebody does the right thing. You know, first of all, kudos to him. I mean, that's just like a cool, just great idea. You know, yeah. I mean, just a, a nice giving kind of thing. But, you know, Olive Garden, obviously, you know, when you do a promotion like this, any kind of business, you're making a decision about, you know, sort of what's going to be used, how much is going to be used, what's the return going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're looking at that. You always know X percent is going to sort of abuse any promotion you do. X percent is going to barely use it. And, you know, what's it average out to? And is it going to be a positive for the company? Now, obviously, if everyone did this, it would probably be very highly unprofitable for the company. But what's cool is they just stood up and said, you know, this is a cool thing. I mean, somebody's using this program to actually help people and they got behind it. I think it was, you know, brilliant, you know, publicity. It was brilliant, you know, sort of social media management management, mm-hmm. the whole thing. It was great. They, they handled it perfectly. Yeah, they deserve our customer hero praise, I think. I think they'd much <laughs> rather us go buy lunch. But yes, <laughs> we will, we will we'll label them too. customer heroes. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Excellent. They were very nice. Thank you all for listening to episode nine of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Adam DePork, and you can reach me at customersthatstick.com. And I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can find me at 360connects.com. You can find more episodes and the show notes available at crackthecustomercode.com. And please subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. And if you like the show, and only if you like the show, please leave a review. And make sure to tell someone you know, because we would love some word of mouth. And until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.